It's the Media Buzz Meter with Howard Kurtz. Okay, I'm just going to come out and say it. Andrew Cuomo is haunting me. He is inescapable. I can't get away from this guy. I, I, I feel so strongly about this that I'm just going to make it story number one and tell you, and I've told you before that I've known the governor of New York back when he was the son of the governor of New York, Mario Cuomo's son, back in 1988. I first met him. He was 30 years old. He was working on a project for the homeless. So I've known him a long time, and I know his brother, Chris, about whom I will have more to say uh, later in this podcast. But lately, uh, guy's just getting on my nerves a little bit. Now, look, I'm, I'm not, he has uh, gotten rave reviews for these daily briefings in which he is, by different turns, passionate and uh, pleading for his state, and he has great knowledge of government, and I'm not taking away from any of that. Uh, but unfortunately, he feels like he has to provide these daily briefings seven days a week. And one of those days is Sunday. And the time that he has been doing it is 11 Eastern. Sometimes he starts at 11.10. Sometimes he starts at 11.30. Uh, that happens to be when media buzzes on. So already I'm annoyed because every week we try to plan a show and I don't know how much of it is going to be Andrew. Uh, because Fox has decided, along with the other cable news networks, to take uh, these briefings. And look, I get it. You know, New York is by far the hardest hit state. It's the epicenter. Cuomo sometimes makes news at these briefings. Sometimes he doesn't. But it's pretty interesting TV. Uh, it's just the unpredictability factor, because sometimes I have to drop people who I booked. You know, all in all, uh, a pretty minor lament from a cable news host, because obviously what's happening with the coronavirus and the threat uh, the, the death toll, uh, the the hospitalization problems, the medical supply problems is far more important than any one cable show. So I get it. Look, I mean, Brett Baer uh, has to deal with um, either part or all of special report being preempted every night because President Trump spends an hour and a half, two hours in his briefings, and it often starts uh, before his news program. Um, and so uh, I understand all that. But what happened yesterday just kind of flipped me out. So um, I have been broadcasting from home, but there's been some technical issues. So I was asked to be on Dana Perino's show. It airs at 2 Eastern in the afternoon. And I figured I, I don't want to have a problem. So I'm, I got in my car, I put on my makeup, I put my suit on. A lot more fun sitting around in sweats, let me tell you. And I drove, you know, 40 minutes to Capitol Hill to a remote studio where I could be on the show. So I'm near the top of the show, but as soon as the show starts, she ends up tossing to another Andrew Cuomo briefing. Now, keep in mind, he's already been on that morning doing his normal New York State briefing. But then that wasn't enough for the governor. No, he had to do another briefing, this one by a sort of video conference with five or six other governors in the Northeast so they could announce that they're going to work together to gradually reopen the economy. Uh, there's a similar reliance now on the West Coast, California, Oregon, and Washington State. Uh, so, of course, he speaks, and then the governor of New Jersey speaks, and then the governor of Delaware speaks, and then the governor uh, of Rhode Island speaks. And, okay, they take it for about 15, 20 minutes, and I'm sitting there, and I figure, all right, it's going to be delayed, but we'll get on. But then they go to questions and answers, and to my surprise, because usually Fox blows off the Q&A, and each state had a reporter who got to ask a question, and meanwhile, completely blown out. I'm thinking, all right. Um, so I can't get on Sunday morning. I can't get on uh, Monday afternoon. While I was driving to the hill, you know, I, I'm drowning in this stuff. I'm listening, watching all the time, reading, writing about the coronavirus. It's like, let me get a little bit of uh, a comic relief here. So I switch on Sirius XM to the Howard Stern Show, 
and he's wrapping up an interview with Andrew Cuomo, which apparently was, they had some fun. Uh, Trump, he asked uh, Governor Cuomo whether or not he thinks he's secretly happy that Chris Cuomo has the coronavirus. Andrew said he didn't think so. All right, so it's Andrew, 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 Andrew. Then I come home last night. All right, so I didn't get on. It happens, breaking news, whatever. Um, and I turn on the TV, and there's Andrew Cuomo on Chris Hayes' show. And I'll talk more about the substance of it. But then I go to sleep, and I wake up this morning, and flip it around the morning shows, and there is the governor of New York on again. So he goes on the Today Show, and then he goes on CNN's New Day, his brother's old show, and he's responding to Trump, um, saying that it, Trump will solely decide whether or not uh, the economy can be reopened, and the governors don't have anything to say about it. So Cuomo says that the president is pulling a 180 by making a power grab. It makes no sense. It's schizophrenic. Um, it goes on and on. And then I'm flipping around some more, and I go to Morning Joe on MSNBC, and here we have, coming up right after the break, an interview with Andrew Cuomo. Uh, and here he really goes off the president on the president. He says it was a bending of the Constitution. It wasn't a bending. It was a breaking of the Constitution. He basically declared himself King Trump says Andrew Cuomo, uh, to hear a Republican stand up there, by the way, and argue big government and total authority, federal government, is somewhat amusing. If it wasn't so serious, it could be funny. But it's frightening. This is the last place we should be, says Cuomo, this crazy politics, this absurd positioning when we're talking about life and death. All right, you've probably gotten somewhere along the way that I'm being somewhat tongue-in-cheek here. Uh, look, it's his job as governor. All these shows want to have him on. Obviously, he makes news. Uh, but, you know, it's just like, what is he going to do next? A home shopping channel? Uh, these press conferences are enough. He's got to do Howard Stern. Uh, is he going to start a podcast? Are he and Chris going to start a show? Uh, there's just an awful lot of Andrew. Now, I know some of you in a more slightly more serious vein are saying, look, it's one state, and why does he have to be live every day? Well, because it, half the cases, half the deaths uh, in the United States of America are in New York State and most of them in the New York City metropolitan area. So I don't begrudge him getting this attention. Uh, I, I do think that um, whether you like his politics or don't like his politics, whether you think that Joe Biden should pick him for VP or not, you know, he's doing a job for the state of New York. I just wish he would find some times to do it when it didn't interfere with my broadcasting schedule. Come on, Andrew, take a dress, take a day off. Uh, go, go uh, you know, watch some Netflix, whatever. But of course, he's not going to do that. Oh, one interesting thing from the Stern interview, and it's interesting because Howard Stern is such a good interviewer, he asked a question that no one else would think to ask. He says, have you cried during all this? And Andrew Cuomo very candidly says, yes, I have cried. I cried yesterday. And I can't help but cry because the death toll is so large. You know, we're all talking about uh, bending the curve of the increase. Unfortunately, the increase in hospitalizations uh, is now peaked and is going down in New York and in other places as well. But we're still talking about six, seven hundred, even eight hundred New Yorkers dying every day. I mean, if you're the governor of the state, you're responsible for this. Of course, why wouldn't you cry? It's heartbreaking. It's absolutely positively heartbreaking. So, enough of my rant on Andrew. We'll come back to Chris later, a special Cuomo edition here. Story number two. So, I talked yesterday about uh, all of the attention that Anthony Fauci was getting uh, for an interview he did on CNN's State of the Union with Jake Topper. And I thought it was taken, I think everyone jumped on it a little bit out of context because Fauci told the truth. And what he said was, in response to a question from Tapper, 
is that, yes, if we as a country, the United States of America, had, um, had started the mitigation earlier, had acted uh, to start shutting things down, schools, businesses, stay-at-home orders, in, let's say, early February instead of the middle of March, lives would have been saved. Fewer people would, would have died. That's just uh, a, f- a statement of fact. It's not Anthony Fauci's opinion. It's a statement of fact. But he was very careful not to criticize President Trump to say that the decision on shutting down before there were many or even any cases in the U.S. was complicated. But this got spun as, you know, Fauci tells the truth, Trump should have acted and all of that. So then, as I mentioned yesterday, the President of the United States retweets um, a, a, a fringe, formerly fringe congressional candidate who had the hashtag Fire Fauci. And he added some words. He didn't say Fauci should write, but he retweeted it. So the media world goes nuts. But like, this is what the president does when he's resentful. Uh, He did this with Jeff Sessions. He's done this with others who actually worked for him or used to work for him. He retweets something and he says, well, it wasn't me. I was just a retweet. Okay. So the press is going nuts. And then White House spokesman Hogan Gidley had to put out a statement yesterday saying, this media chatter is ridiculous. President Trump is not firing Dr. Fauci. The president's tweet clearly exposed media attempts to maliciously maliciously push a falsehood about his China decision in an attempt to rewrite history. And then he said, Dr. Fauci has been and remains a trusted advisor to President Trump. Well, I have two things to say about that. One is, of course he's not firing Fauci. Anthony Fauci, who got the Presidential Medal of Freedom from George W. Bush, has been doing this since the Ronald Reagan administration is undoubtedly the most popular doctor in the country right now and maybe the most popular person in the country right now. Of course, Trump's not going to fire him. Uh, At the same time, to go off on the media chatter being ridiculous when the guy's boss, the president, the commander-in-chief, retweets somebody saying fire Fauci is not that crazy. Was there a media overreaction? Sure, of course. This was never going to happen. Uh, More on that as we now uh, very uh, elegantly slide into story number three. And that is the press conference, the marathon press briefing that uh, Donald Trump held yesterday. And I've talked about a lot of these and how he's gotten into these great clashes with reporters and how, you know, how some people outrageously, in my view, some of the more liberal pundits on CNN and MSNBC saying we shouldn't even carry these briefings. It's above my pay grade, but he lies. He misinforms. Why are we even giving him a platform? We should just send a reporter and then we'll come on and we'll tell you. Okay, so... But yesterday uh, was quite something. So President made a point uh, when he was when he hadn't made a decision on should the country, should the economy be shut down. What happened was Andrew Cuomo in New York, Gavin Newsom in California, uh, J.B. Pritzker in Illinois, and then other governors following suit decided to, in a series of orders, to shut down schools to ban gatherings of more than, first it was 25 people, then it was 10 people, uh, to shut down businesses that were not deemed essential services, and to issue stay-at-home orders in their states, and ultimately ended up being, what, 80, 85, maybe 90% of the states. Those decisions were made by the governors. But now that we are starting to see some glimmers of light where we might be able to at least partially reopen the economy, President Trump is saying, well, I'll just quote him, shall we? Um... The President of the United States calls the shots, he said. 
They, the governors, can't do anything without the approval of the President of the United States. So reporters push back. Well, what provision of the Constitution gives you the power to override the states if they decided that the conditions in their state were such that it was too soon to start reopening businesses, to lift stay-at-home orders, to start reopening schools? Again, Trump, they can't do anything without the approval of the President of the United States. What provisions? Numerous provisions, he said. When somebody's president of the United States, the authority is total. So that's not quite right, as reporters tried to point out. Uh, We do have a thing called states' rights in this country. We do have federalism. And Andrew Cuomo's right. Republicans are usually the one who says the the federal government is too big. It's too intrusive. uh, The states should have more power. We should keep Washington's nose out of making decisions at the state and local level. And so what's happened here is, look, shutting down businesses, throwing people out of work, 16 million people by the last jobless count, and undoubtedly that's going to increase, closing schools, making kids come home from colleges, uh, asking people to stay at home, either work at home or just not go out unless it's absolutely necessary to buy food. Those are not popular decisions. It was the governors who stepped up and took them. Now, obviously, a decision, although it will be controversial because there's still the question of how far do you go, how quickly, um, how do you balance public health and the economic health of this country. But it's more popular to say, hey, we're reopening. You can go back to your jobs. Your kids can go back to school. So now the president wants to say that he has the authority to do that when he didn't want to use the authority that he says he had to do the shutdowns. So Uh, There was a tweet, for the purpose of creating conflict and confusion, some in the fake news media, the president tweeted, are saying that it is the governor's decision to open up the states, not that of the president of the United States and the federal government. Let it be fully understood that this is incorrect. It is the decision of the president for many good reasons. So, um, social media kind of erupted because, look, not only did the president let the governors take the lead on shutdowns and stay-at-home orders, Um, But when it came to not having enough ventilators, as some of the governors said they did not, and some of the mayors, not having enough masks, not having enough other equipment, not having enough testing equipment, um, the president at that time, this is like roughly a month ago, said, we're not a shipping clerk. It's up to the states to take the lead. The feds will provide the backup. Uh, So reading here from a story in the New York Times, Uh, The notion that Mr. Trump would be the one to decide about reopening struck governors as rich, given that he never ordered the country closed in the first place. The decision, as I was just saying, decision to shut down schools, colleges, sporting events, concerts, and everyday life were made by governors, mayors, and individual executives with the president remaining largely on the sidelines. Only after New York, California, other large states ordered such actions did Trump weigh in, citing the CDC with the social distancing guidelines. Uh, which are still voluntary, but obviously not voluntary if you live in one of the affected states. So Trump was asked, well, what about this? How come uh, the governors took the lead? That's because I let that happen, the president said. Uh, Here's a Washington Post story. Washington Post did not approve, uh, I think it is fair to say, it's a news story. Uh, In the middle of this deadly pandemic that shows no obvious signs of abating, the president made clear that the paramount concern for Trump is Trump. His self-image his media coverage, his supplicants, and his opponents, both real and imagined. Everything we did was right, Trump said during a sometimes hostile two-and-a-half-hour news conference. Um, 
in which he uh, offered a live version of an enemies list, and that's arguable, brooking no criticism, repeatedly snapping at reporters who dared challenge his version of events. Uh, and then Fauci came out, and he kind of walked back a little bit what he said to Jake Tapper. Uh, he said that, um, this was at the very top of the presser, uh, Fauci came out, he didn't apologize. What he said was uh, he'd been responding to a hypothetical question. And that was the wrong choice of words, said Fauci. Um, and he was asked, is this voluntary on your part? And he said, yes, everything I do is voluntary. Please don't imply anything else. So he was mending fences a little bit with the president, even though, in fairness, he hadn't directly criticized the president. CBS's Paula Reed was repeatedly challenging Trump on this whole question about um, the states versus the feds. And, and she, uh, she went toe-to-toe with him. And Trump was not pleased. And, he, and, and so Trump was saying, look, I did the China travel ban. I was criticized. And what Paula Reed said from CBS, the argument is that you bought yourself some time by imposing that partial travel ban. You didn't use it to prepare hospitals. You didn't use it to ramp up testing. Trump interrupted her. He said that she was so disgraceful, she kept asking questions. What exactly were Americans supposed to take away from this video that they just played? I'll get to the video in a second. Right now, nearly 20 million people are unemployed. Tens of thousands of Americans are dead, says Paula Reed. How is this sizzle read or this rant supposed to make people feel confident in an unprecedented crisis? Trump went back to restricting travel from January. But the, what did you do with the time that you bought, said Paula Reed? The month of February, the video has a gap. Now, the video was, you know, basically like a political video. It had uh, clips of certain news anchors interviewing medical experts early February when they came on and said, you know what, coronavirus isn't even as bad as the flu. It's not going to be like the flu. We have no evidence that it's going to spread. And it's true. A lot of media were not heavily focused on it at the time that we now say that Trump should have been more focused on it. A lot of medical experts, and some of them work for the networks themselves, um, didn't take it as seriously as we now all say everybody should have taken it so seriously. And then there was a long quote from Maggie Haberman of the New York Times, who the president frequently tangles with, uh, where she was saying on the air that, look, although it was criticized at the time as being xenophobic, Trump, uh, it was probably a smart move and it probably saved lives for Trump to have done the partial travel ban from China. But what was cut out was the next thing that Maggie Haberman said, which was more critical. So it was a highly selective, edit, selectively edited video. It didn't deal with any of the things that we now talk about. Why, during that six-week period, when the president was letting the governors take the lead, why wasn't there more testing kits made available? Why weren't more ventilators made available? Why weren't, uh, didn't the, the feds do more to help the states with all of the, uh, the strain on the healthcare system? Then the feds did certain things, the hospital ships that were sent to New York and California. It's not a black and white picture. But man, uh, now you have the governors once again. Oh, and in that video, there was praise from Andrew Cuomo, Democrat of New York. There was praise from Gavin Newsom, Democrat of California. And it's true. They were trying to work with Trump and then he did things to help them. Uh, they were very grateful. Now they seem to be at odds again. Don't go anywhere. More Buzzmeter coming your way in just a moment. All right, story number four. If you haven't had enough talking, me talking about Cuomo, let me talk about Chris Cuomo. But mostly it's Chris Cuomo talking about himself on his Sirius XM show. Now, as you know, Chris Cuomo... Uh, had the coronavirus. He was suffering. You could see that when he tried to do the show from his basement, his CNN show, that is, his primetime CNN show. Um, 
and and I guess the, the he's gone through a lot of soul searching, and he also you know there was some criticism for him having his brother on and for be appearing at one by remotely of course at one of the governor's New York State briefings. Now he's questioning really what he does for a living, and because I know Chris Cuomo pretty well, I will tell you he often sort of tortures himself over this. He grew up when he grew up when he was a teenager, his dad was governor, and he felt the press. Uh, treated Mario Cuomo unfairly. There were always rumors that the family were related to other people who had mob ties. And a lot of that was unfair. He thinks, I think, that that's why Mario Cuomo didn't run for governor after being Hamlin on the Hudson. And that's why I think he didn't go into politics, unlike his dad, unlike his brother, who succeeded their dad as governor, not directly, but many years later. Uh, Chris Cuomo, I think, has a, a, has a, uh, a view of politics as being a dirty business. And he views, you know, when he used to be an ABC correspondent, he did a lot of these, you know, uh, legal stories where he would try to hold people accountable and, and stand for justice. And, and on his show, he, you know, although coronavirus is taking over everything, he tries to, you know, cut through the BS. Now, does he do it more with with Republicans and Democrats? Yeah, I think so. Anyway, here's what he had to say. Let me just read this. On this uh, Sirius XM show, he blasted President Trump for being full of S. But here's what he said. He said, I don't want to spend my time doing things that I don't think are valuable enough to me personally. I don't value indulging irrationality, hyper-partisanship. He says that his battle with COVID-19 has made him reconsider his position as a public figure. Quote, I don't like what I do professionally. I don't think it's worth my time. Now, maybe his tongue was loosened a little bit by this, you know, it's got to be a traumatic experience. He talked about, you all remember the Fredo incident when uh, he was on Long Island and some clown came up to him and got in his face and called him Fredo from the Godfather movie. And Trump has picked up on that. And, and Chris lost it. And he apologized for that. And he owned it. Well, he said that on Sunday, when he was outside, outside his home in Southampton, in the Hamptons on Long Island, a guy he called a loser biker came up and confronted him on Easter Sunday. And Chris was upset about this because he says he couldn't respond because he's famous. I don't want some jackass, loser, fat tire biker being able to pull over and get in my space and talk bull to me. I don't want to hear it. Uh, he wished he could have acted like a regular Joe and told the guy to go to hell. That matters to me more than making millions of dollars a year because I've saved my money and I don't need it anymore. Now, some people uh, interpreted this as a diss at CNN. I don't think he was criticizing CNN. I think he was criticizing himself. I think he was saying, what am I doing with my life? I make all this money. I'm famous. I've got a primetime cable show, but I don't feel good about myself. I want to be able to tell that guy, go to hell, shut your mouth. I don't get to do that doing what I do for a living. And then he goes on to say um, he doesn't like talking to Democrats about things I don't really believe they mean. I don't like talking to Republicans about them parroting things that they feel they have to say. Uh, and then he made the reference to the president being full of ass. And he said, I don't think it's worth it to me because I don't think I'm, I mean enough. I don't think I matter enough. I don't think I can really change anything. So then what am I really doing? I'm basically being perceived as successful in a system I don't value. I'm seen as being good at being on TV and advocating for different positions. But I don't know if I value those things. Certainly not as much as I value being able to live my life on my own terms. Here I am in an almost powerless position against this a-hole because I think I'm a celebrity, because I am a celebrity, and he's allowed to say whatever he wants to me. Um, Anyway, clearly, 
it sounds like he's going to quit tomorrow. Well, I don't think he's going to quit tomorrow. And, I, you know, he's worked hard to get the CNN show. Look, a lot of people like Chris Cuomo. A lot of people don't like Chris Cuomo, uh, particularly in this polarized time, as he has lauded his brother, the Democratic governor of New York. Uh, I think he's just doing some soul searching. He had the virus. It was awful. Uh, he's wondering, is it worth it? Is all this cable success or all these millions of dollars worth it? You can like that. You can not like that. There was a good write-up of this in the New York Post that I uh, uh, commend to you. Some of the pro- profanity I have cleaned up. Um, but it's interesting. And one thing you got to say for Chris is, you know, he, he lets it all hang out there at times. And finally, story number five. I don't even have much time for this. So... Yesterday, Bernie Sanders made a video endorsing Joe Biden. And I, I looked today, and it was like the 20th story on all the homepages. I mean, it was a big deal in Democratic politics because now Biden can go out and he can uh, use that to raise money. He can say our, our, uh, our party is united, but nobody cares. And it's not Bernie's fault and it's not Biden's fault. It's the coronavirus's fault. And I guess it was thought better to do it now and try to bring Bernie supporters on board with the Biden campaign. But the New York Times has a piece that's sort of a redo of a piece in Politico with some new information. A political piece said Obama was the winner of the Democratic primary because he got the nominee he wanted, Joe Biden. Uh, New York Times, with calibrated stealth, Obama has been considerably more engaged in the campaign's denouement than has been previously revealed. So apparently, according to the Times, once Biden became the obvious nominee, he won all those primaries and then the coronavirus hit. Uh, Obama telling a friend that he needed to accelerate the endgame had at least four long conversations with Bernie and trying to ease him out of the race. And it says that Obama's conversations played a significant role in Bernie deciding now, in April, not in June or in July before the convention, uh, to endorse Biden formally, at least on video. And meanwhile, Biden and Obama, it says, have a complicated relationship. They're hashing out the thorny questions of how to deploy the former president in an unfamiliar role as his sidekick's sidekick. I mean, the biggest thing he can do is help raise money. But, of course, you can't go see people in uh, person right now, so that has remains to be seen. Uh, so the two sides are talking about how to best use Obama. But the biggest thing that Barack Obama did for Joe Biden was very quietly and not calling attention to self help to bring Bernie to the decision to bow out, to do the video, to endorse the man who is now the de facto nominee, even though I keep reading stories they saying some Democrats want Andrew Cuomo. All right, enough of the Cuomos, enough of the Bidens, enough of the campaign. I want you all to stay safe. We'll see what happens when the economy reopens, but it's not going to happen tomorrow or next week. It'll be gradual. Maybe we'll see some of this in May. I commend to you Apple iTunes or Google Play or foxnewspodcast.com. You can also get us on your Amazon device, and we'll see you tomorrow with more BuzzFeed. Listen to the all-new Brett Bear podcast featuring Common Ground, in-depth talks with lawmakers from opposite sides of the aisle, along with all your Brett Bear favorites like his all-star panel and much more. Available now at foxnewspodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts.